Welcome back to episode 58 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we're not just looking to highlight the highs and glories of rating gain, but we delve into the plateaus and even below that, perhaps the pits of despair. Hopefully that's not you. Uh, if you want to support the show, you have a couple ways. You can go to Chess Patreon. No, not Chess Patreon. Chess Journeys Patreon. I want to thank Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall. Ooh. Oh, a little foreshadowing there. Uh, also, you could get some merchandise if you want. Uh, there's a link below. There's a lovely mountain with a man scaling the mountain to get to the top. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsor, Chessable. I'm at 86 days and counting. I just picked up, actually, how to tune your chess antenna. I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying the Checkmate Patterns Manual. You can do your openings. You can do your end games. You can do your tactics. You can do whatever you want on Chessable. It's pretty amazing. Uh, if you want to appear on the show, there is a Google form that you can fill out in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. And uh, let's get to our guest this week. So this week, we have actually one of the Patreon supporters, Lindsay Newhall. Lindsay is a dedicated chess improver. She had a busy summer playing chess tournaments. Uh, she's a parent. She's now a director of a chess club. We'll see where that takes us. And she's a chess educator. So, Lindsay, welcome to the show. And how are you doing? Have you played any chess yet today? I'm doing fantastically. I have not played any chess today. And I knew you were going to ask that <laughs> question. I should have played some chess. I didn't. But I thought I've thought a lot about chess today. I okay. thought a lot about chess. In fact, right before this interview, I called my dad and I interviewed him about his own chess journey to see mm. how that is parallel or different than my chess journey. So mm. that was pretty cool. Interesting. Maybe he'll have to be the guest next week. We can just do all the new halls. That would they we all have a lot of stories about chess. There are like eight of us who play. So oh, oh, I, I yeah, I saw that. I saw you have a, a cool thing that you do with your family, and then it seemed like there's a lot of new halls that play. So that's really neat. Um, okay, so let's start by laying out what does your current situation look like? Um, what is sort of helping you with your chess? What is maybe taking uh time away from your chess? What does your life look like these days? Yeah, um, a lot of things are taking time away from chess. <laughs> <laughs> Primarily, my two-year-old toddler daughter, and she's wonderful, and she's great, and um, I'm her primary caregiver, so I'm at home with her a lot of the day, all day, and um, she's not quite at the stage where I can really involve her in chess without it becoming what I call Godzilla chess, which is where you play a game of chess next and a toddler comes in the room and moves all the pieces around and you just keep playing with oh. whatever happens. Oh, wow. That is a very interesting way to play chess. It's a terribly frustrating variant. Yeah, it's, um, it sounds a lot more different than Fisher Random. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard of Fisher Random, and I think Godzilla Chess with a toddler sounds even worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I stay at home with her, and we live in Death Valley National Park. Hmm. So we live um, in a very rural area in California on the border with Nevada. Our closest major city is Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, wow. And there's a little bit of chess there. There are, um, I, I'm aware of at least one chess club, um, maybe a couple casual clubs, and at least one with rated tournaments. But luckily in Las Vegas, um, at least two to three times a year, we have the major tournaments like the National Open, the Las Vegas Open, and the North American Open, which is fantastic. 
And so I try to make it a point now that I've gotten back into chess as an adult, I try to make it a point to go to um, as many tournaments as logistically and financially and vacation days for my husband possible because he has to watch her while I play at tournaments. Uh, yes, I go through that as well with the reverse. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, if you have a supportive partner um, or co-parent, it makes life so much easier. Yes, I think my wife would prefer that I quit chess, which, you know, <laughs> makes it a little more challenging. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you going to the tournament that's in like two weeks? I definitely am. I've been registered right. as soon as we got the discount code at the National Open in June. I registered immediately for the Las Vegas Open in August oh, okay. and the that's North American cool. Open in December. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't uh, talked to my wife about that one yet. I am most likely going to the one in two weeks. So perhaps we will. Oh, see cool. There. Yeah. Was... I'll see you. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So you're a full-time caregiver. Um, that sounds like that's going to take up a lot of your time. Are you hoping to train this child to be the next uh, chess world champion or are you just going to let this child go along their path? Um, well, yeah, I will let her go along her path. When I was at the National Open, I went to the bookstore at the end of the tournament and I got talking to the gentleman who run the bookstore. And the one guy said to me, he said, I see you have a toddler daughter. Mm. He said, if she so if she shows any interest or aptitude in chess, you got to make her go for it. Just push her into it because <laughs> there are so many colleges that will give a full ride scholarship Ooh. to kids who have high enough ratings. And for whatever reason, the rating threshold is a little bit lower for girls. He posited it was around 1900 for girls and maybe 2100, he guessed, for boys. So either way, wow. if she likes chess, I'm all about supporting her in it. But I'm not going to force her into chess because I think that's a recipe for her to hate chess. And I don't want her to hate it. Yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm. I've been going through this with my six year, well, my seven year old daughter. Now she picked it up. She played some tournaments online when she was six. She found them boring because they were online. She didn't really like her chess coach. She found him to be boring. And then she was just like, I'm not doing chess anymore. And I was like, Ooh, okay. I mean, that's, that's your call. I'm not going to make you do chess. So did she, has she played any in any OTB tournaments? So now that we're back, I, proposed why don't you try an over the board tournament since it seemed like you liked chess so much and so we have we've played a couple over the board tournaments she loves over the board chess um and yeah she has not yet won a game in person which has been challenging for her especially since she checkmated somebody and then they castled out of checkmate and she went on to lose which was very challenging yeah, I heard that story on, I think, last week's um, and I just was, oh, I felt I felt mm -hmm. so frustrated on behalf of her because when you play OTB, um, you can make these mistakes or your opponents can make these mistakes yeah. and that that can't happen in on online chess. So OTB is really still the Wild West of chess. Yes, and very much crazy. Uh, I lost a few games for silly reasons perhaps similar to that in um in my OTB game in tournaments as well because you mm. just and in the moment if you have time pressure yeah maybe you're not aware that the opponent made an illegal move and touched that piece and 
you could have forced him to move the queen into the line of fire, but instead <laughs> you forgot about that. And then the tournament yeah. director comes up to you later and says, I, I can't intervene in the, during the games, but just to let you know. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, at this, we played actually yesterday. So there was a tournament. It was going to be her first over the board rated tournament, um, uh, like a full day. And it was interesting because I could have played also in a different section but it was a weird setup where her section, they played two 30-minute games per round and was last rounds. And it just felt like a weird setup for us both to try to play. So I just supported her and weird stuff happened all day. Like in the oh. first round, she comes back and she's like, I almost ran out of time. And it was a, a 35 game. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. It's good that you're using a lot of your time. And she's like, well... He set up the clock to be 30 minutes and five seconds, not any increment. <laughs> mm. I was like, oh, did you tell the judge? And she's like, no. So yeah. I was like, well, it's, okay. you know, it's all a learning experience. And I think um, chess tournaments are super good for everybody, especially kids, because they learn about fair play and grit mm -hmm. and resilience and yeah. taking responsibility for their own games and themselves. Um, but it's a lot to hit the clock and play chess, of course, and notate and watch <laughs> everything. It's a lot. It it's is. A, it's, I think it's um, leagues harder than internet chess because you yeah. have so much more to think about. But yeah. I, I feel very similarly with your daughter. I am super uninterested in online tournaments <laughs> and online play. I tried mm -hmm. one last week. I, it was not that fun. Yeah. And uh, but I'm all about over the board in-person tournaments that's like the best part of chess for me meeting with other people and the community around it yeah i totally agree i thought i was totally fine with online tournaments until otb came back and now i just even have a hard time taking seriously my online games like i'm trying my best i'm like i need more training than just this once a week thing so i have to take these seriously but i I never used to tab out and look at my email during games. And now I find myself doing it all the time. As soon as my opponent, like we're playing like a 45 minute game, they take 10 seconds and I'm like, Oh, I wonder what's happening on Twitter. And I'm like, what are you doing? No, I feel the same way as you. I, I do not take online chess seriously. I wish I did. I would be much, a much better player now if I did, but um, I just find it hard to get motivated to play online and practice online. Yeah, and I think there's probably so many people listening right now that are like, what are you talking about? That's the only chess I play. But I'm telling you, once you play over the board, it just feels different to play online for some reason. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Yeah, I agree. Um, last thing about my daughter's tournament. In the second game of the tournament, I was like, hey, how'd it go? And she's like, oh, I lost. And I was like, okay, was it a, was it a fun game? And she's like, eh, sort of. And I was like, oh, can I see it? And she's like, mm, we both only wrote down the first five moves. And then we both started looking at each other's score sheets and oh, realized no. the other person hadn't written down the moves either. Yeah. And then we just played on. And I was like, all righty then. <laughs> That's part of the whole learning experience, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was like, mm, okay, that's fine. No, but... Notation is a skill set in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. And she's seven, and I get it. Like, her opponent makes a move, 
and she's excited to make her move and then they make another move and then suddenly she's like oh whoa i didn't write down the last three moves and she can't even remember what they were you know she yeah. has no idea i still have that problem I, I have to really stop myself during games and say, write it down, you know, instead of just going with the flow of the game, which I wish I could yeah. do, but it's a tournament game. Yeah, I try to I try to really use writing down the moves actually as a way to slow myself down a little bit. Like in a long classical game, taking that methodical rhythm of slowly writing out the move while I'm thinking about my move stops me from just reaching out my hand and slamming something down and then and then doing the oh right i should have blunder checked and yes that is a blunder that's a good perspective to take so i, know, I try to use a way it. to look at it doesn't always work but i try <laughs> all right Lindsay, uh you, you you mentioned now that i've come back to chess so what is your origin story uh did you play at all at a different part in your life did you play as a child when did you pick up chess yeah i definitely played as a kid um, it's funny because, you know, as an adult looking back on your childhood, I thought that I played so much chess. And then since I got back into chess, I realized I played chess for like a few months, but it <laughs> seemed like ages because I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my family, I come from a chess, a chess family, um, no player in the family is super good. I have one cousin who's expert level rating, but he's an outsider. He's the anomaly. <laughs> he is the exception to the rule. Okay. But my but my father and his twin brother, my uncle, um, you know, they were like in 1400s, 1600s. I have one cousin who was peak rating in the 1700s. So we had some strong players. And um my dad taught me to play chess when I was a kid because I grew up around it. So naturally I was interested in it and he taught me how the pieces moved and he was really into chess because um, his parents were really into it um, because of George Koltanovsky, Colty. They called him Colty. He was, um, mm. George Koltanovsky was a Belgian born chess player and he was um, a, a, just a, blindfold god basically he held the guinness book of world records for years maybe he still does i think he doesn't anymore uh for simultaneous blindfold games he would do exhibitions and he um left belgium uh because of the holocaust during world war ii and he ended up settling in san francisco mm -hmm. and my grandfather i just learned this recently from my dad asking how he got into chess my grandfather was the editor of the San Francisco Chronicle at the time, and Colty approached my the my grandfather, the editor, and said, how about a chess column? And my grandfather mm -hmm. said, okay, well, let's take the chance. And so he had the longest ongoing chess column for something like 60 years, from 1948 until like the late 90s or when he died in 2000. And um, so my dad was into chess because of that. And then I got into chess because of my dad. And whenever, um, every now and then in San Francisco where my father lived, um, I would be visiting my father because we lived in LA at the time because my mother had a business in LA and I would bake cookies and we would bring them over to Colty and his wife, Leah. And I would have to play chess with Colty, but I got to bake cookies. So it was a good deal because I wasn't super into chess. And now looking back, I'm like, 
I can't believe I had these opportunities to play this incredible mm -hmm. grandmaster. And I was like, no, I'm just doing it for the cookies. Like I don't even care about chess. <laughs> so um, I never loved chess, but I accepted it um, as part of life. <laughs> but uh, my dad did a lot to give me very positive associations with chess in my mm -hmm. childhood without pushing me, which is what I want to do with my daughter. And um, he enrolled me. Are you are you from Southern California originally? Do you remember the 1994 earthquake? I was not here yet, but I okay. remember it on TV watching the Giants A's World Series. Yeah. So okay. Uh. Well, that might have been the eighty. Was that the ninety four? Oh, that was the, That was the like eighty. That was the eighty nine Loma yeah. Prieto earthquake. There are so many earthquakes in yeah. California. Anyway, I was in LA during the nineteen ninety four earthquake, and um, a week after that, and we had to move locations because oh, of wow. the earthquake. A week after that, I we started um, chess, chess class, chess for kids with Coach Jay Stallings, who um is has been a coach for a long time and um he and my father were friends like everybody in the chess community knows each other right and this was his mm -hmm. very first class teaching anybody Ooh. and I was 10 and I was like wow who is this teacher like he has a full beard he's like this <laughs> old guy he's probably a grandmaster come to find out that at the time in 1994 coach Jay was like 27 or 28 <laughs> and now I'm like more than 10 years older now than he was back then. But kids, you know, they have these perspectives. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so I I took lessons with Coach Jay. I did a six-week program, and I knew that I was good at chess. Okay. Come to find out that I was terrible. Still am, still am. But um, but I had any introduction. And then my dad and all the rest of the family, all the chess players in the family, we started going yearly to the national open in las vegas oh, and wow. i think i played there in 1995 and 1996 and i also was dragged to the u.s open in 1995 and of all the games i ever played in my youth in all those tournaments i won one <laughs> i don't know how nice. i don't know who my opponent was uh -huh. I don't know how this happened that I actually won a game, but my provisional rating after my first tournament was like nine ninety nine, <laughs> and I am nowhere near that now. I'm like in the six and seven hundreds now. So, um, yeah. So I wasn't very interested in chess, but I went to the national open almost every year because my family played, and I didn't always play. And then. Um, when I was about 25, I decided I would try playing again in the National Open and uh, lost every game. Didn't really mind because I hadn't prepared, like I didn't practice. Yeah. And I remember I was there at the time. Um, I was 25 and there was another young woman. She was my opponent. And she asked me, she was so friendly and she won. And she asked me after the game, do you want to go to the Skittles room and go over the game? And I was like, yeah. sure. But I was thinking to myself, why would anybody want to go over a game after they play it? What is the point? And now I'm like, yeah. she probably thought, here's another woman. She's into chess. We can yeah. make a connection. And me, I'm just like, I don't, I'm just here for the family aspect of this. And now I wish I, I, I could get in, back in touch with her so I could like actually go over games and have a chess run. But um, yeah. so then, so I was not into chess and um not into playing and then what got me back into it was um i guess 
kind of two things together. Maybe you could say the pandemic in a loose way, loosely related. Um, my daughter was born in 2020. And I thought, what kinds of traditions do I want to create with my new family? Well, mm-hmm. I want to keep going to chess tournaments because they became like mini family reunions. Cause like six of my relatives or 10 of my relatives would all show up. Some... And then I, and yeah, it's, it was really, it's really cool. It's a great yearly thing. You know, everyone goes to Las Vegas and it's yeah. just a fun, cool activity for the family to do mm-hmm. and keep in touch with the cousins. And then I thought, okay, so my daughter was born. Great. We'll start doing the tournaments. And then in February of 2021, so almost a year later, my beloved uncle, the twin brother of my my father, who's super into chess, he died very suddenly of, you know, um, things that older people die of. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I thought, you know what, uh, I, I got to start this now because the older generation's dying off. I miss everybody. I haven't been able to see people because of COVID, you know, because pandemic. Yeah. So we got to start now. So I decided... Um, that we would do the 2022 national open. That would be the first time we would go to the open and get all the cousins together, whoever is able to go. And I started, I said, okay, I'm not going to do a redo of 2009 where I didn't study at all. And I lost every game. I'm actually going to, I'm going to play like at least like 20 games. Let's okay. practice. And I gave okay. myself like six months to play 20 games. I was like, okay, I can practice a little. Oh, wait, wait. And- so just for a second, you were not playing chess you got back into playing chess because you wanted to play at this national open because this is a family tradition. Yeah. I, I chess, chess is totally secondary to the, at this point Mm -hmm. to the fact that uh, I want to go to the open. And I thought I'm going to be a really good example to my daughter. I'm going to be a strong female playing chess. You know, I'm going to be a great role model. Um, so I said, I'm going to play at least a couple games just, yeah, it's a good idea. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Maybe (laughs) I'll even win one. And so, um, I started playing in death Valley with my husband and some neighbors. And I realized that I love it. I, something about either intellectual maturity or how my brain has been restructured after, you know, pregnancy hormones or postpartum, but some, all of a sudden I was very drawn to the actual game and I finally found it fun. I'd never really found it fun before. Now it's super fun. Hmm. And so I started playing all the time and I, um, I just kept playing and playing and, um, but there aren't that many people to play in death Valley. Hmm. So I asked some of my friends and neighbors, I said, Hey, do you want to play chess? And they said, no. But our kids, our kids would love it. Oh, our there you kids go. want to play chess. There and they go. said, can you teach? I said, sure, but I'm, I'm terrible. And they're like, just do it anyway. Yeah. There's no one else around. They don't know that you're terrible. I said, great. <laughs> so I started running a chess club at my house and my old coach, Jay Stallings, I got back in touch with him and he was like, here, here are the materials. He has seven oh, levels of nice. uh, elastic chess books. They're awesome. They're great. Oh, I love them. They're super well organized, really cute. They're like cartoons. It's illustrated. It's like a graphic novel. And um, so I started teaching out of that. Uh, and I stuck with it because I had a lot of community support. I have I had 11 students at the time, all kids. Oh. And also my husband and I, right before my uh, my daughter was born 
we had been serving in Ukraine as Peace Corps volunteers. Oh, wow. So when the war broke out, well, when the war, the war has been going on since 2014, when the war really escalated in February of 2022, this year, mm -hmm. um, it was a terrible time mentally for us because we have so mm -hmm. many friends and loved ones at, in Ukraine and around Ukraine and um, now refugees. And I found that teaching children chess, really just kind of spending time with these groups of kids who would come to my house for chess lessons, that was the only time of the day that I was not depressed and not thinking about Ukraine and the war and worrying about my, my like family members there basically. Yeah. So that really helped. That really helped. And um, we've kept going. We've raised a lot of money for Ukraine, which is great, but we've kept going with the chess school. And now um, I'm attempting to become a tournament director so that we can have tournaments in and around Death Valley um, because there's nothing, there's nothing going on there as far as chess, or there's really not a lot of community. Um, in There are smaller communities, but there's not one big thing that unites all the small communities. And I'm hoping chess might be able to help with that. That is so amazing. There's no chess here. What am I going to do? I'm going to do it. So just for any listeners out there who are in a similar spot, what does that even mean to, to go through this process of becoming a tournament director? I'm not really sure. I'm trying to figure that out <laughs> as we go okay. along. All right. But, so um, I find, steps. Yeah, a lot of it is networking. And um, I got um, inspired to become a tournament director because chess, you can do so much great networking if you go to chess clubs, chess events, chess tournaments. Um, simuls, you know, if you go physically in person somewhere, you can network. And I went mm -hmm. to last month, I was visiting my hometown um, of Santa Clarita, California. And I went to um, a July Swiss in the park sponsored by the Thousand Oaks Chess Club. Mm -hmm. And the tournament director was this really young guy named Nick Garcia. And I thought, if he can do this, this is a really no, not not in like a derogatory way. Like, oh, who is this kid? No, I, I had a lot of respect for him. Turns out his, yeah. his teacher was Coach Jay Stallings as well. Small, small um, world. Anyway, okay. I got to talking to him, and I was thinking, like, if he could do this, how did he do this? He's so yeah. young. He's not like this older guy with gray hair who's been doing chess for like fifty years. So uh -huh. I went up to him and I was like, I really want to do what you're doing. How do I do this? He's like. Just get the rule book. Just read the rule book. And then you sign a form and then you mail it in. And then, you, you know, and oh, you do this wow. and that. And, and so I said, can I, can I email you a bunch of questions? He said, yeah. So I did that. And, um, nice. and then I went to Marshall club. I'm, I'm talking to you from New York, uh, Long Island specifically where I'm visiting relatives. And I went to the Marshall clubs. I got a bunch of relatives in this area of the country and I competed at Marshall club. And I started talking to this other guy who was wearing, um, a Ukrainian chess shirt. And mm. I said, where'd you get that shirt? And he's like, we're selling them. It's a, it's a fundraiser. I said, great, I'll take one. And then we got to talking. And so what do you do? Oh, well, I, I direct some tournaments and this and that. I said, oh, I, I got to get your information too. So he helped me and, you know, and he said, do the Kaisa system for, I don't know, for pairings and stuff. So little by little, I'm gathering information. I just mm. registered Death Valley Chess as an affiliate like a few days ago, I'm applying to be a tournament director and I'm going to start real small with like 
under 10 people for tournaments and then work my way up. A 400 person event. Uh, maybe someday in the future, but a lot of my chess friends are like, oh, I'd love to go to a national park and play chess. So oh, I have to yeah. find out the legality of everything, Ooh, like, because yeah. it is like government property. There mm -hmm. are a lot of things I need to sort out and figure out. Yeah. But um, I'm a stay at home mom. What else do I have to do? <laughs> that sounds great, though. Oh, my goodness. So you're 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 fixing your problem by training people to play with and then now setting up tournaments to play with them. Like, this is yeah. amazing. Yeah, I'm a terrible chess player. So the way to get better is to um, practice more uh, in person. So if I don't have opponents, I have to create them. And it's in my best interest for them to be better than I am. Oh, so yeah. that's why I'm teaching them. And they'll and they're kids. So they'll probably advance more in a month than I will in a year. This is amazing how fast they pick stuff up. Yeah. Have any of them uh, started approaching your level yet? Um, I have one student who if i'm not careful she will beat me yeah kaya oh, okay That's she, and fun. then i and then her little sister they compete against each other her little sister leah if i'm not careful in blitz uh will beat me okay um, okay blitz, blitz is really really hard for me it's way too stressful <laughs> blitz is so stressful when you say blitz what's your time control for blitz um like anything under like 20 minutes no i'm kidding uh like like three minutes five minutes seven okay. minutes um okay. you play I, I find i find game 30 too <laughs> too um too little time i'm mm -hmm. i'm happy with game 45 and longer that's my sweet spot gotcha. i like to really get in the flow of a position in a game i hear you i'm actually having a problem with that um I'm playing at this club now where they do game 55, which sounds like an eternity, but I'm just having a hard time adjusting between, is this a rapid time control where I need to play fast or is this a two hour time control where I can play slow? And so I like in the middle of the game, I'm vacillating back and forth. I'm like, I'm playing too slow. And I start playing it like a rapid game. And I'm like, no, yeah. that's too fast. And I just, I have to reacclimate to this time control that I'm not used to. I'm, I'm really yeah, I was gonna say, do you think it's just um, a matter of practice I think and so. time, yeah. like getting used to the time, taking Definitely. time to get used to this? So I've played, I played hundreds of games at fifteen ten space, and I've played hundreds of games at you know like hour and a half, well, maybe not hundreds, but a lot of games at hour and a half uh, plus thirty minutes. And so this like fifty five, I've played almost no games at, and it's just. Just kind of struggling, but I'll get yeah. there. I'll yeah. get there, I hope. It's practice and pattern recognition. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess let's start diving into what are you doing for your own chess improvement? Like how much time a week or day would you say you have to dedicate to chess? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. On a good day, I could probably put one or two hours into chess, like on a good day. On a bad day, I don't know, none, five minutes, 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when the, you know, I try to, I do try to nap at times when, when my daughter is napping because um, I don't get a lot of sleep that's totally uninterrupted. So I have to take sleep where I can. Mm -hmm. But um, what do I do for chess improvement? I really like the philosophy behind the chess dojo where mm. they say it's best to um, you want to do plus minus and equal where you're learning from stronger players. Uh, maybe you're playing stronger players or you're reading materials from stronger players. 
and equal um, sparring partners at your level or roughly your level. And then minus where you're teaching others. And I definitely think teaching uh, my students has really helped me because you have to know the material really in order to teach it. Yeah. And um, that's that, that's been helpful. And it's also a good motivator to learn new stuff if you have to teach someone else. Um, one thing that's been really helpful for me personally is understanding what kind of learner I am. Mm. And I am a learner who really likes to learn with other people. Oh. I I don't really love learning on my own. I have a really hard time sitting down and opening a book alone but if I can go through a game with another person it's so much fun um and that's why when I purchase chessable courses I always get the video Mm. because I even if even though it's more expensive because that's the only way I'm actually going to get through it and do it I'm not gonna like sit down and read alone I need to have a video to feel like I have a teacher there with me gotcha that's that's really interesting have you been able to find any groups or, or like sparring partners online where you can, like, I know there's a lead chat or like a Twitter puzzle group. They get together once a week and they solve puzzles together. That would be cool. I haven't, I haven't done that, but um, I have um, a few sparring partners. One uh, Deja, I met her in the women's open in Las Vegas this past year. And she and I play every now and then she's from Chicago, Vlad, uh, Vlad Samoylenko. He is, um, the father of one of my Ukrainian students. I teach her English. And then Vlad and I, uh, we do sparring on Lee chess together on weekends. And he's way better than I am. I think I've managed to beat him like twice out of 20 games. Oh. Um, probably because he was like checking his email at the time or, you know, <laughs> watching a soap opera. Um, and I have a few other sparring partners just in the community. Um, and that's been good. And, um, one of my cousins is a teacher by trade and uh, I like to, I love to work with him because he's such a good teacher. I find mm-hmm. that if you can find a teacher, they don't have to be GMs or IMs. They don't have to be great, but they can be so good. Like he, oh, he's such a good teacher, my cousin, David. So, um, yeah. but it's always hard to work with family because, you know, if you're not paying someone sometimes, like either you, like you just can't find the time to show up or they're like, everybody gets busy. So, um, yeah, I find it very hard to be a mother of a young child and be able to carve out time for chess simply because when I do find time for chess, I feel guilty. If I'm, if I'm reading my chess book or staring at my computer screen, learning chess, I feel like, I'm ignoring her or she's getting too much screen time. She's watching Wally or Moana and it's too much. Um, or if um, my husband's home watching her, I'm like, oh, now I feel bad because I'm like in my own little world doing chess where I should be socializing with friends or hanging out with my husband and daughter. And so it's a lot of parental guilt. Yeah. I've really wrestled with that as well. I especially wrestle with it when I leave to go to tournaments because it's yeah. kind of that thing of like, especially when I play a bunch of kids and I'm just kind of sitting at the board, like I'm hanging out with this kid instead Mm -hmm. of my own kids. Like, what am I even doing? Yeah. Yeah, I have a hard time kind of squashing that in the moment. So when you say that, it makes me want to say to you, well, 
your kids are benefiting maybe from being away from you because they get to spend more time with each other or get to mm-hmm. know their mother in a different way, their other parent. And yeah. if you're happy and pursuing your own passion, then you'll be a better father. And it's pretty cool for kids to see their parents exploring their own uh, interests and passions. So I feel like it's easy for me to say that to you, but it's hard for me to say that to myself. Mm-hmm. And I do okay with it as long as I'm not leaving to go to a tournament. That's when I really mm-hmm. struggle with it the most. Like when I'm doing studying, I'm like, that's okay. It's just a little bit of time. But when it's that whole, like I'm leaving, but I, I, I totally agree. I think it's really important that um, like uh, my wife is very busy. And so when, when, we do these kind of things. It's really great because she gets that opportunity to really just be with them a lot for a, a period. And I, I think it's good for everybody. When you say leaving for a tournament, do you mean a like a one day a short tournament or like a U.S. Open or a world type where it's multiple days? Yeah, it's the big, big multiple day ones. That's that's when it's kind of like, mm, like I went to the World Open and I was gone for like five days. And that was the first time actually that I didn't have those thoughts and I think that's because at that tournament I knew a lot of people so I was thinking like this isn't just me selfishly playing chess but I'm actually hanging out with friends and meeting people and this is just a good thing generally to do so it wasn't just about chess and that helped um I did a multiple day event um in Orange County which is you know an hour from my house and it just felt weird I was like I'm only an hour away but I'm not seeing my family for several days. And I played six rounds, all six rounds against little kids. And it just was this, I don't know, there's just a weird thing nagging at me during that tournament. Do do they ever go with you to tournaments? No, not yet. The little one is going to, I can tell. Because, okay, so this is for any parents out there who are thinking like, how do I make chess interesting? I took my daughter to this event and I told her, Chess is half the chess and half the adventure that we're going to go on during it. So during between one of the rounds, we went to this park she wanted to go to. Between another round, I let her pick the restaurant and she picked two. She was like, I want to get Jamba Juice and take it to a pizza place. And I was like, let's do it. And so we tried to make it like a cool, fun day, not just like we play our chess and then we go over the game and then we drill tactics in between. Like we didn't do any of that. We just had fun and then played, played the games. I think that's a really great, great motivator for kids to play chess who may or may not be super into it. Um, if they're super into it, then that's great. You don't have to yeah. do anything else, but I want to do that with my daughter. We wanted to go to the U S open this year. In fact, I want to go every year. I want to go everywhere all the time, but yes. I wanted to go to the U S open this year, but it just wasn't in our budget. And I thought, you know, this is going to be really expensive going forward I'm going to feel better about it if my daughter is also playing. And then when she's old enough, my husband can play too because he won't have to be, you know, shepherding mm-hmm. her all the time when she's a little bit older. And yeah. then we can be a chess playing family, like the Partridge family. Yeah. But, um, but I think it's a great motivator. When I was at the National Op- the Women's Open, which is part of the National Open, the Vegas Chess Festival, um, I should say, in the Women's Open, I was playing right next to a little girl who was I want to say like 10. I mm-hmm. said, how you doing? She said, oh, it's terrible. I lost my first three games. And my mom says, I need to win this game or we can't go to the pool today. Oh and I thought, I thought, oh, that is so awful. Like, what? A, okay, so one, 
she went she ended up winning the game so it must have been motivating okay. so you know okay. whatever it takes and obviously this mother knows her child best yep. but i thought i would not say that to my kid mm -hmm. because i don't want her to resent chess yep that's where i'm at but yeah i think it's it is an important point that everyone knows their kid better than than we do right so who knows yeah. maybe this kid maybe they were going to the pool anyway yeah maybe that's like, what the kid needed to hear yeah who knows but i would never take that approach with my so yeah i was just like okay well good luck in your game i wasn't like oh your mother's terrible because for all i know you know she's great like yep. the kid did win the next two games so exactly. hey when she becomes the world champion you'll be like yeah. yep okay that that was the way yeah yeah, so I think it is really interesting, the whole parenting and chess. I At the World Open, I saw this guy and this little boy both playing in the under 2000 section. And I was just, you know, I was noticing the people around me. It's one of the points of me playing these, saying hi to people. And they were interacting a lot. And after a while, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's actually like a father-son combo. And the kid was only seven. And, and eventually I asked him and he was like, yeah, you know, we had to build up to this where I could play in a major event and he could. And now it's great that we're in the same section. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is this is amazing. You guys are both like 1900s. So, yeah, it's that's uh, like my dream. Yeah. All of that. That's yeah, that's so cool. I when I was when I had I remember when I went to the U.S. Open um, in 1995 when I was like 12 or however old I was. Um, God, I was so bored because my dad would play these really long games, yeah. you know, and I would be done getting beat by everybody within like 20 minutes. So I would have nothing to do. So I would walk over to the, the chess store and it was full of all these really boring chess books. Like all they, they just had all these pictures of chess positions. Who wants that? Then yeah. I found a narrative. And I picked it up and I was like, okay, this is the only book with like, that's full of prose in it. I'm going to read it. I read it that entire week, cover to cover, oh, wow. searching for Bobby Fisher. Oh, that's a good one. And I sat oh. in the corner of the bookstore and just read that book. And I still didn't want to play chess after that, but I liked the, I liked reading. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, what I do with my daughter, and this is another one of those little tricky things, right? When we play together at this Wednesday night event, or at least we did once. And she wants to again. And I told her, when your round is over, we'll bring the iPad and you can use the iPad until my round ends. So it's like this double treat. She gets to play chess and then she gets some screen time. Like this yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. It's chess days become the best days. Yeah. That's, that's my the goal. goal. Yeah. My goal is for her to be like, is it Wednesday yet? So we'll, yeah. we'll see if we get there. We'll see. We'll my, see. my daughter loves days that I play chess because it means she gets her father all to herself and they go oh, do the coolest stuff when I'm at chess tournaments. I get jealous. <laughs> okay, let's return a bit to what you do with your time. So I guess my first question is, do you feel like weird or bad at all on those days where you just don't have any time to play chess or you just understand like that's how my life works. Like I don't have this, life where I can schedule exactly an hour to an hour and a half each day? Like, how, how do you react? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, when I was really intensely practicing for this North or this um, national open that happened in June, I gave myself a few months and I was like, I need to practice every single day mm. um, because I need to do well in this tournament. And then 
I did, you know, and I practiced a bunch and I did like pretty averagely. I won a roughly half my games That's great. and it was okay. I mean, it was okay. Um, yeah, it was okay. Uh, I should have done that. I shouldn't have flagged on that first game on Friday. Anyway. Um, but, um, so I was really intense on, on playing and practicing. And so I did. And then the tournament was over and I purposely on purpose, I purposely let my like 50 something day chessable streak go. I was like, I'm going to achieve a healthy balance Nice. and I'm going to take two days off of chess. And I did. And now I don't care at all about my streak. I, I lose that streak every couple of days. Um, (laughs) now my goal, um, is just to incorporate, I just want to have fun with chess and I don't want to stress about it. And I want to build community with it and find joy in it and find beauty and connect with family. I just want to enjoy chess. And if my rating goes up, great. And if I'm always an under a thousand player, fine. As long as I'm having fun, having a good time, I'm never going to be like, I was going to say I'm never going to make money off of chess, but I do make money off of chess because I teach it. But I'm never going to be like a world famous any kind of player. And I'm fine with that. You know what? I wouldn't want that pressure. I would not want that pressure. That's too much. What a great attitude. Also, almost no one who listens to the show is going to be a world famous chess player. That's just not our reality. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I and I realized that very quickly after um, not doing as well as I naively, foolishly thought I would in the National Open. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm I've been studying on chessable. <laughs> I've been taking lessons. I am a teacher. I'm going to easily hit like twelve hundred after my first tournament. No, okay. like seven, seven hundred something. Mm-hmm. OK, fine. So now like I've kind of pivoted from being focused on rating to being focused on um, where can I find enjoyment and how can I spread that enjoyment? And for me, I really like in-person clubs and over the board games. So that's what I'm doing. And I've been able to play in like nine, nine different rated tournaments over the last couple months, but that's about to stop because I will say there are so many opportunities to play over the board games. If you live in a city or uh, certain cities with really good chess scenes like New York, um, I've heard Chicago and Missouri and St. Louis have great scenes. LA has a lot of stuff, but um, I'm looking for a long dry spell of no OTB tournaments, which is why I got inspired to start my own. I was going to say, it sounds like you're not going to have a dry spell. You're just going to run your own. I don't know. We'll see. There's probably a lot of red tape that I haven't even thought of lately, but we'll see. We'll see. That's my goal for the rest of this year in 2023. Okay. I got to say, when we started our correspondence, I'm pretty sure you said I'm about to go to my first over the board event. And then since then, you've played in piles of them. So what sort of motivated you to play in so many tournaments? Did you just have that good of a time? Um, How did that work? Lack of opportunity is what motivated me to do it. It's Mm -hmm. like when it's like, you know, kids who never get to eat candy or dessert and they like go to grandma's house and they got to eat it all. So, um, you know, Death Valley has nothing. And so when I visited my hometown in Southern California for a month in July, I played in three different events. I played in Pacific Coast Open. I did terribly. 
Um, I lost to three children under the age, probably age of 10. And I won against one very sad looking boy. And that was it. Oh, it was so It was just terrible. And my rating tanked, but I had a really good time. And then I played in Thousand Oaks Chess Club and um, that was fun. I won five of eight games and my rating still went down, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, and then I played in um, L.A. Chess Ladder. That was really fun. That was a mm. casual event in somebody's backyard. It was the 10th anniversary of the L.A. Chess Ladder. And I played in the Marshall Club a few times um because they have so many events uh yeah. like every weekend multiple things going on and i'm like wow these new yeah. yorkers they know how to live uh as far as chess goes otherwise yeah, i don't yeah. know um tell me about the chess ladder because i'm in la and i've never taken part of the chess ladder was it like just a group of people who are having a great time or yes. how did that work out it was just a group of people yes that's exactly what it was we all went to the backyard of i think uh Darren and I don't know how to pronounce his last name okay. Himalis Himels Himalis and um we played two tournaments to everything was totally free it was unrated we just had a great time the first tournament was uh blitz it was game three and I could not believe that I won a few of those games I figured nice. I was gonna lose every single one because I'm terrible <laughs> at blitz I won my first game and I was like how did this happen because <laughs> I just kept pressure on him until he flagged yeah. and um and he was really the guy who lost was he I was like well how long have you been playing he's like oh a few years I was like well how how long have you been playing over the board he's like no I just play online chess and I wow. find that I'm meeting more and more of these people who have like they never play over the board and I'm I'm like okay well you might have lost because you're not used to seeing the board in 3d yeah um because sure. he was probably a better I would I think everybody's a better player than I am. So he was probably a better player than I am. And then the second tournament after the blitz tournament was over was game 10, I think. And that was super fun too. And we had a great time. There were snacks and donuts. Everyone was really friendly. Hmm. Um, I brought my deaf friend to the event and it was, she had played a little bit in college, but this was her first over the board event um, and people were super excited to meet her and like practice their sign language with her and everyone had such a good time. Uh, so it was their 10th anniversary and they have a website. I think it's lhsladder.com mm -hmm. or dot something org. like that. Super I'm easy Googled to find. Them. Yeah. It was really fun. And they're always looking for people in the LA area to host events at a restaurant, at a house, in a park, wherever. They're always looking for people to do things in LA County area. Yeah, it seems like a fun group. I'm I'm considering taking my daughter over there. I think it would be a good group for her to hang out with. Just yes, see people everyone just having a was great cool. Time. And you know what? Uh, going back to what I was saying before, networking, one of the gentlemen I met there was the one who told me about the next weekend's tournament in Thousand Oaks, which I had a great time at. We played outside in a park. It was beautiful. So it's you, the more you get out there and the more people you meet, the more enriched your life becomes because you get all these new ideas and opportunities. Yeah, so. that sounds fantastic. Um, let's return real quick to your, your first tournament back. What did you do to prep for this tournament? You said you did some studying, you did some preparing. What did that look like? Like, what, I, what were you I've thinking? I've tried to play games over the board with anyone, literally okay. anyone in Death Valley who would play me. Uh, I didn't care if they were kids or adults, anyone, any level. Um, I played 
games over the board. I played a bunch with my dad. He mm-hmm. is 82-ish, almost 82. And he's suffering some like cognitive decline, but he could still wipe the floor with me in chess. Mm-hmm. And then after a few months of studying, I beat him for the first time. And then I was like, I don't know whether to rejoice that I'm getting better or worry that he's like mentally declining. But then he promptly beat me like another five or 10 times in a row. So now uh, I win against him maybe a quarter of the time. And um, I also found some chess coaches on Lee Chess. Mm. And I tried three different coaches. um, And they're all good. um, But I have such a hard time carving out time to sit down and focus that like I've only met with some of them like four times or five times in like the last six months but one of them um Irina Barchuk she is I believe national master level and she's um Ukrainian but a refugee in Poland now and Hmm. so I was really happy I could find her and give her a job right after she had to leave her work in Ukraine. She was a chess coach in physically in Ukraine with students who came to her in person. And so I took a lot of lessons with her and that was really interesting. And I had to record them all because it's so much information. Like I cannot, I'm almost 40. I can't absorb things like a sponge anymore. So yeah. I go over some of some of what of those lessons. And I also got courses on chessable. And I prepared, I prepared for this question. Here are my favorite courses on chess that I've done okay, so far. Excellent. Okay. Master your chess with Judith Polgar. Oh, she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, a hundred a thousand and one chess exercises for beginners. Really good tactical book. Same with common chess patterns. I like the visualize series. That's fun. I'm really enjoying the unexpected mate in one. It's it's pretty simple, but it's really mm-hmm. fun. And I do that as like a warm-up or a cool down at night. Master Checkmates, written by, I believe, two sisters, and they go over checkmate, uh, like, masters, and, like, 10 of their checkmates per master in a little bio. Mm. Love Andres Toth and his series, Chess Principles Reloaded. Mm, I'm working through center right now. He is hilarious. He's probably my favorite chess teacher because he's so funny. Yeah. Um, I also really, really like, uh, you talk about checkmate patterns manual all the time. Love it. Love Mm. it. And a good complimentary course uh, is how to find the perfect mate. That's a really mm-hmm. good complimentary course. It's a lot of tactics. I like moves ahead one vision in calculating mate. I like the art of exchanging pieces and the others in that series written by the same candidate master. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, oh, and and then I really like the secret life of rooks. Um, the two hosts are they are ridiculous they play off each other so well one of them was at the national open and i he was like a celebrity to me and they're just so goofy and the puzzles are so fun and they're so creative mm-hmm. and then my first chess course um is what where is it end game studies 101 by kostya kavutsky oh, who was okay. also at the um national open and i think oh. might might have taken lessons with Jay Stallings, Coach Jay. <laughs> Coach Jay from chessacademy.com. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, that, that's a really good course too. I really like that one okay. too. Excellent. I got to say, that's a lot of courses and I didn't hear a single openings course. So oh. I'm, I guess opening principles by Anders Toth kind of is, but it's not like you don't have like the King's Indian. That's, yeah, Chess Principles Reloaded. Yeah, Andres Toth, Control the Center. 
-hmm. develop your light pieces, castle, mm -hmm. connect your rooks, have them communicate. Excellent. All um, great ideas. Yep. I'm not into memorizing openings. God, I think it's so boring. Oh God, I hate it. God, I've always hated openings. I've always okay. loved end games and I've always hated openings. Okay. But I well, will learn openings eventually so I can be a well-rounded educated chess player okay so you're, you're, you're so. kind of like at some point i'll take my medicine yeah i like the i like the idea of openings and i think it's really cool how there are all these different ways to start a game and what kind of playable middle game you want um but i don't want to memorize lines so i'm more drawn mm -hmm. to systems i'd like to learn mm -hmm. the collie system simply out of uh a nod to my chess heritage because it was promoted by george koltanovsky colty mm -hmm. he was belgian and edgar collie was belgian and okay. he used he would promote the collie system and so i'd like to learn that even though i'm not really a d4 player currently i'm an e4 player but it's fun to try all different things why not try everything i think i think andres toth said why wouldn't you want to learn these things these are like flowers in a garden and you have access to all of them yeah so why not? Uh, I guess my question for you then is like you play E4, mm -hmm. someone plays C5. Do you say that's the Sicilian and this is what I do against the Sicilian? Or yeah. you say, okay, I'm going <laughs> to develop my knights and then I'm going to develop my bishops and then I'm going to connect my rooks. Like, how do you respond? Yeah. Um, so in a, in a rank beginners tournament, if someone plays Sicilian against me, I think they don't know what they're doing. Mm, okay. because that's such an advanced opening okay and i feel like and this is probably this probably sounds mean but if a if a beginner and i know it not not an unrated you don't know how good unrateds are yeah but sure. if a beginner plays a sicilian against me i think they've learned one to two moves because <laughs> yeah. guess what at the u.s open I played the Sicilian because I saw it on my dad's bookshelf and I said, Oh, okay. I can play that first move. And I remember I was playing, I was playing another little kid, this kind of round chubby, really cute kid who had like a cartoon on his shirt. And this was like 30 years ago. And I still remember it. And he was, he looked and he looked and he was like, Oh, the Sicilian. <laughs> he literally said that under his breath, like, and not, and not ironically, like he wasn't trying to be a jerk. And um, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yes i just develop as normal um okay. and i'm not worried about that and you know what if i lose the game great i've it's an otb game so i've written it down and then yeah. i bring it to my cousin david and say please please can we go over it what did i do wrong yeah. so it's a learning opportunity okay i and i think I, that's the right way to do it to be i uh, get i get crushed by old people young people everybody in between and they're all great learning opportunities. And you know what? Nice. I just played in Marshall a few days ago, an under 2000 tournament. I played in like a 1900 and two 1600s, um, two kids and an adult. And the the older gentleman, the 1900, he had a beautiful pawn checkmate against me. And I was hmm. so excited that I lost in such a beautiful way. I was like, <laughs> I can't wait to look at how he did this. Nice. So it was, it was cool. Okay. Well, that sounds great. So it sounds like, you're not worried about openings. You're just going to develop normally. I yes, just play develop chess. normally. Yes, develop yeah. normally. I'm trying to follow principles. I figure when I hit, um, if I hit like 1300, then I'll start thinking about 
openings like memorization by that i mean memorization gotcha but i don't know you know i could change my mind next year and maybe get on a kick to learn openings and that brings me chess joy i leave the door open for anything that happens so it sounds like you're doing what you like with chess which i think is a good approach okay yeah it's it's a hobby for me so i want to love it i don't want to i don't want it to feel like work yeah that's obviously if i'm teaching for money that's work but i i i want the actual play to be fun yeah it's something i've wrestled with and i know other people have is like it's a hobby and i want it to be fun but i'm also a super serious person yeah i know know as a super serious person i'm supposed to do this thing that i hate so i'm gonna do it it's taken me a lot of losses um fast losses over the board in tournaments to give up on perfection and just try to enjoy the process okay I've lost so many times that I'm like, well, I got to find something I like about this or I'm going to just quit playing. (laughs) Yeah. I met a parent at this tournament yesterday who who was so great. Her daughter was playing my daughter and she was six and my daughter seven. And we were talking and she's like, anyone who plays 500 games of chess is going to be good at chess. So the question is not, how can I get my daughter to be good at chess today? It's how can I get her to want to play 500 games of chess? And I was like, wow, that's such yeah. a great way to think about that's it. That's exactly right. Because it's just experience and pattern recognition. Okay. Yesterday, I played this little kid, eight years old. I asked him, he told me he was a, he just mopped the floor with me. Oh my God, it was bad. And he was a quote unquote beginner. I don't think so. That kid <laughs> was good. Okay. And, um, this was in the beginners tournament. And I and I asked him after the game, I said, Hey, you played you played the fried liver against me, didn't you? He was like, Yeah. And I said, you know, I thought what I did would have uh staved off that attack, but you found a way. He was like, Let's go to the Skittles room. I'll show you all my tricks. And he did. He was Ooh. like, if you do this, I'll do that. And then you can do this, but you should really do that. And then if the uh. person does this, you do that. And I'm like, and I said to the kid, I said, Whoa, <laughs> how do you remember all this? And the kid was like, I have five years of experience. I've been playing since I was three. And I'm like, yeah, you have five years of experience. (laughs) And so I was saying this in my mind. Of course you're good at chess. You've been doing it for five years. And you you literally, you go to school and you do homework and that's it. You don't have to worry about like paying bills. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about your daughter slipping and falling (laughs) off the playground, like, or eating, you know, something she shouldn't eat. So I thought to myself, Maybe I'll be that good in five years. Maybe I'll be fried livering people, frying their livers. And then I, I got beat by like some 1600s at the U2000 um, at Marshall the uh, two days ago. And I looked up there, you know, you can look in the player ratings history. Yeah. And I looked up, they've been playing for years and they all started at like 200, 300, 400. And they were like under a thousand for like a year or two, like a few yeah. years. So why do I think, that I'm magically going to be a a chess genius. You know, I have an average, probably a pretty average chess intellect with pattern recognition and memorization. And I have a little bit of time. I can't Mm -hmm. expect greatness overnight. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things to do as adults, right? What I've been thinking a lot about is that most adults are good at something or even several things in their life. And I feel like if you really reflect on why you're good at that, the bottom line is there was a period in your life where you spent a ton of time on it. And if you just don't have that opportunity as an adult, I think you have to temper those expectations and just realize like, I don't have six hours a day to do this thing. 
Therefore, yeah. I can't expect that I'm going to be good at it just because I'm good at other things. Right. Absolutely. And so many people are new to chess and they think, well, I'm good at I'm good at math or I'm, I'm good mm-hmm. at art or I'm good at language. I'll be good at chess. Yeah. If you put time into it. Yeah. Yep. So that is the, the real trick. of And chess. and review your games. I'm finding that's uh, pretty important for me. I really don't really like reviewing my games. I think it's <laughs> a little bit boring, but I know it's so good for me. Okay. How do you review them? Do you review them with your cousins? Do you review them with an engine by yourself? Um, I have never used an engine before. I don't know how to use it. I could probably figure it out in two minutes if I actually tried, but I like the human aspect of chess. So I try to go over it with um, my cousin, or if I actually make an appointment with my chess coach or one of my chess coaches, but my chess coaches are too good. That's mm. the problem with some chess coaches. Mm. They're like, well, you could have done this and this and this and this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to see that. Mm-hmm. My cousin is like, his, his peak rating was in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And he's now in the 1500s. And he's trying, he's an adult improver too. So, he, and, and he's a great teacher. Mm-hmm. He knows more about what I'm kind of, my thought process and where I'm at and what I'm facing yeah. So um, I think really the key is just to find a someone better than you that who has a good teaching style that clicks with your learning style. Yeah, I totally agree. And would you go further and say, if you find a chess coach and you're not resonating with them, you should find another one? Oh, yeah. I Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I yeah. And I and I think. um I like to work with multiple people. So I tried mm. three different chess coaches and I get something from each of them. Mm. Um, they're all good in their own ways. So, and they're all affordable. They're all like $20 or less per hour, which is like my budget right now. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's, they're all good in their own ways. And yes, I definitely think if you're not clicking and you have s- such a limited amount of time, free time or any time in this life, you have to make it work for you. Yeah. I want to recommend, I actually want on that note, I want to recommend three books that are not chess books that have Ooh. really helped, really helped me over the last, like I read them over the last year. Um, they're about, they're all different, but the, the common theme is what do we choose to spend our time on? Um, one is called Digital Minimalism by I think Cal Newport. And that's all about, um, you know, prioritizing how you spend your time online, which which translates into the rest of your life and finding solitude and how that's super important for brain development and development of ideas and brain connections, connecting themes and ideas in your life. Another one is called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by (laughs) Oliver Berkman. That one was really interesting. That was interesting. It was philosophically like, what do we choose to spend our mortal lives on and what, how can we get more out of it? What's proven to actually be beneficial for us and what makes a life worth living? Super interesting. And the last one, which I read most recently was called um, stolen focus. You know what? I don't, I don't remember the um, guy's name. Hari, I think is the person. Ah, stolen focus, why you can't pay attention and how to think deeply again. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a, like, it sounds like it's a silly title, but it was really interesting. Um, Johan Hari, 
H-A-R-I is the person who wrote it. And it was super interesting, all about why it's so hard to focus and think in the modern world and how we can combat that. I loved all three of those books. Yeah, that book especially sounds amazing. I've, I've noticed that my brain has really changed in the last 10 years. Like I went through a PhD program where I had to be so focused on reading and interacting with texts and, and excluding sort of the digital world from my life as much as possible. And now my brain is just not as good at focusing. And, and yeah. I'm, I just can't quite figure out what's going on. Yeah. And brains do change as you age and some change faster than others. I've, I've seen so much of that in my chess playing family. You know, when the, when the generations get older, they, they can't think, they can't see the combinations they mm -hmm. once could and their ratings start to decline. And even just playing chess is too stressful for, mm -hmm. you know, some it, it's even when they're winning, it's too stressful. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, at the national open, I watched my dad play his first game and he's like almost 82 and this was a few months ago and he his he doesn't have shaky hands but his hands were shaking as he was like picking up the piece and putting it on and taking his opponent's piece and hitting the clock and writing it down and later after oh. the game he was and he won the game he was like even winning is too stressful and he withdrew <laughs> from the tournament after like two more games and oh, he just wow. and he just enjoyed being around chess like yeah. you can you can have a great time in a tournament and not play and I wish more people would realize that. Yeah, I don't um, think I've ever done that until this weekend. And, and I did kind of enjoy hanging around, watching my daughter play, talking to some other parents. Yeah. I actually came up with a newfound appreciation. So I'm going to be honest. In previous tournaments, I found parents to be kind of annoying, right? Because they're mm. like lurking, mm -hmm. they're interrupting. It just felt a little bit oppressive. And now that I was on the parent side, it's uh, you can really appreciate like the sacrifices that these parents are making, you know, you know yeah. following their kids around and allowing them to have eight hours to play chess while they just hang out. And parents yeah. make a lot of sacrifices for their kids and chess parents yeah. are among them. And uh, at the National Open this past year, I saw a mother get kicked out. Ooh. Literally, she got kicked out <laughs> by the tournament director, Alan Losoff, the head TD. He was like, I am the head tournament director and you must leave the building now you were no longer allowed on the premises it was something like that wow. come to find out she was interfering in her daughter's game <laughs> um her daughter was playing in in one of the big sections not the kids section in the main yeah. section and apparently the the opponent who's also a, a, a young girl somehow made an illegal move maybe like mm. so, maybe something like castled through check something like that yeah. and the mother pointed it out and said you can't do that and the uh, little girl apparently got so like rattled and nervous that uh, maybe I think she maybe she called a TD. And I, I saw the part because I had just finished my game. I saw the part where they ejected the woman <laughs> and brought her out of the tournament hall and she was yelling and screaming. And it oh was super God. exciting. All the people who had finished their games were like running to the side there and like trying to watch <laughs> and see what was happening. Because, you know, I mean. Yeah, that's some excitement at a chess tournament. That, that is, that's exciting for a chess tournament. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's tough. I like my strategy was just to glance from a distance at my daughter's board just to see how far into her game she was. Right, I don't want to give her feedback. I don't want. I don't even want her to see my face to see if I'm like happy or upset. Just like a quick glance and then I walk away. Like it's her game. She plays it. I'm just. 
I am just her cheerleader. I think that's a, a great attitude for parents to take. And um, was this a small tournament? It was bigger than I thought it was going to be, but it was small. There were maybe 40 people there. Okay. Yeah. So a small, because at some of these big tournaments, the parents aren't even allowed anywhere near the kids yeah. area, which I find very amusing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's funny stuff. It is. It is. Oh man. Well, I, how about, I'm going to ask you one more thing and that's about your own teaching. Cause I think mm -hmm. it can be kind of hard to not have imposter syndrome as a teacher in any place, right? Like I'm a teacher, especially when I taught at colleges, I always had imposter syndrome. And as somebody who doesn't have the rating that they've decided it makes them a good chess player yet. Um, and is a teacher, how, how do you handle this? Are you able to um, really enjoy teaching? Do you question yourself? How does that work for you? It's a, it is a great question. Um, I feel like my whole life has always been imposter syndrome because once you're a little bit good at something uh -huh. like obscure or unique, people who don't do it at all think you must be fantastic at it. And it's so, mm -hmm. that's such, that's so wrong. Um, yeah. So I, I feel that my main role, since I'm not a super good chess player, my main role is to, um, kind of provide opportunities for my students to learn and keep their motivation up and make sure they're having fun with it so that they'll want to keep coming back and learning. They want to learn more. So I want to do like what my dad did for me when I was a kid was, is just create positive associations with chess. Mm. And my four of my students actually um, played in the youth division of the national open this past. Oh. Um, and, and some of them won some games and I was so proud of them we our team name is um okay first i have to tell you what a chuck walla is for listeners who don't know a chuck walla is a type of lizard that's endemic to an area like death valley so we are the death valley check wallas Ooh, wow. oh like check hey. that's good that's good uh, yeah it's a little pun anyway um so they won some of their games they were super into playing over the board. The youngest was six. The oldest was 13. I was really proud of them. And um, so what we're trying to do is have an in-person club where they actually come and play games with each other. And, they, and, and we do other fun games too. We play something called hide and go seek chess, which mm. was a big hit. I did summer camp this summer for some of my students. And we did hide and go seek chess where I'll... Uh, let's say I have two kids and one has a bucket with the white pieces and the one has uh, another one has the black pieces and I make them go into different rooms and hide the pieces around in the room. <laughs> and then they switch rooms and whatever pieces they can find in like two minutes, that's what they used to play the game. That, and that is all they wanted to play the entire week of chess camp. They're like, we want to play hide and go to chess. Um, <laughs> And then we did like we do other fun activities like I got out um, a world map and we drew um, the names and lines to the countries of where all the um, U.S. or not the U.S. the world champions have been from. And we saw like a ton were from the USSR and then they're scattered around, you know, Cuba and USA. Um, and we I just try to make chess fun for them. I just try to make it fun just positive associations. And then we do go over like actual, actual chess. Like we learn actual chess. We learn all the basics and we learn um, rook and pond end game 
checkmating with the king and queen versus king, like pawn promotion. And we do puzzles and, and, and they, um, I try to mix it up. We make it really physically active hmm. because um, children are engaged better and learn better when they can move around and play. And I was a teacher, I've been a teacher for a while and I did a lot of teaching um, in Ukraine with Peace Corps and I learned a lot from my Ukrainian counterparts, um, you know, from a different culture, how they taught there. And some of those teachers were really good. And I learned a ton from teaching English. And I've taught in China and I've taught in Ukraine. And um, now, and also as a, as a park ranger, um, in my former life as a park ranger, before I had a child, we were educators. And the biggest thing they said for, for park service, um, interpretive park rangers, when we're teaching about um, the resource is you want to connect the visitor to the resource intellectually and emotionally. So this is how I approach teaching chess. I want them to, um, connect intellectually and understand why they're making these moves. And we go through games together and okay, well, what's this, what's a good move? What, well, what happens if we do this move? We lose this piece. Well, how about if we castle at this time and how, you know, what's the meaning of a tempo, have them think. And then emotionally, and we'll tell stories about chess and we'll just have fun with chess and we'll look at these really cool puzzles and hope they see the beauty in chess. So we're trying to hit both bases when it comes to teaching anything. Yeah, especially sounds amazing. Awesome. I'm happy to hear that. I... It's a work in progress. I'm still figuring things out. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing half the time. I taught chess to little kids back when I played 20 years ago through one of these like after school program things. And it was, it was always the thing. Like when I started, I was, I was technically a thousand, but I wasn't even that good. And so it was that same thing where it was like, they'd send me into a school and I would be like, okay, I hope there's not a really good kid in this school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the fear of every imposter. Like, you know, like yeah, us, right? exactly. what if a really good person there, yeah. the ringer, and they were like, there's this really good kid, by the way. He is so good. And I was really nervous. And then I met him and he was probably like 300, right? And I was like, <laughs> he is really good, actually, for compared to That's all the other cool. kids. It's amazing. That's but cool. I, I, I love how you've said in former um, podcast episodes that there's a rumor that you're an international master, oh, yeah. like an I am. Yep, and yep. I love that it's so specific and I am because it because it's just, just <laughs> believable enough. Yep. <laughs> that, you know, because it's not a GM. It's like, just, that is so funny. Yeah. And I can't even, like, I've told them repeatedly, I am not an I am. And then I smash them and they're like, well, you're going to be. And I'm like, yeah. okay. They believe in you. That is, that's really cool. They do believe in me, which is great. Well, Lindsay, this has been uh, so much fun. Thank you for taking time out of your day. It's so exciting to hear somebody who just jumped back into tournament play and just, is playing every tournament they can get their hands on. I'm so jealous myself of yeah. uh, my own family situation. I'm not, not being able to do that. So, but maybe soon my daughter and I will be going to all these tournaments together. We'll see. It sounds like it. It's a big commitment of time and money and energy, but it's so worth it. And um, I thank you so much for doing this podcast. I love this podcast. Uh, it's great to hear from people like, us <laughs> who are not grandmasters that we don't normally hear from i find it really inspiring all right i'm happy to hear it uh where can people get a hold of you if they want to sort of follow up and oh. maybe they want to join the death valley chess club oh that would be great we're gonna do online stuff too i don't know i don't know what we're gonna do i need to find out the legality but actually my dream 
if it works in Death Valley, my dream is to do um, connect with my other park ranger friends and do small Ooh. tournaments in or around national parks. Yeah. So I think that would be really cool. Um, I don't know. I have to look at if that's legal first, but I'm sure we can find a way around the red tape. Um, yeah, people can connect with me. I have a new email address. It Ooh. is deathvalleychess at gmail.com. Please, nice. no spam. Um, <laughs> it is spelled just like you would think. D-E-A-T-H. Did I spell that right? D-E-A-T-H-V-A-L-L-E-Y-C-H-E-S-S at gmail.com. And I have a Lee Chess account. And my name on Lee Chess is Roasted Mermaid. <laughs> I love that name. Uh, yeah, just like it sounds. R-O-A-S-T-E-D-M-E-R-M-A-I-D. Nice. So there you go. You can play against the Roasted Mermaid. Yeah. You can contact the Death Valley Chess Club. Things are going great, Lindsay. I really, I think maybe in a year we're going to have to check in. See how the club is going. Oh, see how your I hope I have good tournament news. directors going. Yeah, I hope I, I hope I hope it's all good news. <laughs> I hope it's like, oh, we found out it was illegal to run a club in a national park. No, I so I have high hopes. Death Valley entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, but right. thank you, thank you so much. That was super fun. Yeah, thank you for joining me and uh, to everyone else out there. I hope this is the best week you've ever had with chess and you reach all your ratings goals. And if not, don't worry. We're all just pushing along, having a good time, enjoying the journey. And I will see you all next week. Bye, everybody.